Before we get started with this week's show, just a quick announcement. Yellow Card has partnered with Away Days Football, which makes original and high-quality football-inspired clothing for the casual looking for something to wear to matches. Use the code YELLOWCARD at checkout to get 15% off your entire order at awaydaysfootball.com. And on a personal note, if you haven't tried the mystery kit yet, um, you should. You won't be disappointed. So uh, go to awaydaysfootball.com, use checkout code YELLOWCARD, and get 15% off your entire order. All right, thanks for listening. And now, here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. We don't lose a match, either we win or we learn. And today we learn. And now, your host, Matt Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. And available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it, even though we lost. We were 2-0 up. We were cruising um, down the freeway in California, not the countryside of England in the freezing rain, but down the US 101, sun shining, uh, ocean to your right, sunrise coming up. And then halftime happened. And the traffic built up and we couldn't get going again. The car broke down, uh, may have thrown up once or twice. And by the end of it, uh, it was not the trip that you had hoped we would be on. And uh, the, the good news is, is that the road doesn't end. There are still games to be played and matches to be won uh, and points to be earned. And maybe this is just a bit of a reality check. Maybe this will temper our expectations just a little bit. Whether that's good or bad, we will have to wait and see. But the good news is I have two guests on the show this week that will help us kind of sort it all out. So uh, before I introduce them, I just want to say sorry to anyone who listened last week and got the overdubbed intro. Uh, my apologies for that. No, I had a bit of a nightmare last week. Uh, I also forgot to introduce and, and discuss and thank Chris Thomas, who is the newest patron of the show, joining us from uh, Germany, actually. So uh, thank you to Chris. He is the newest patron of the show, and he gets priority for having his questions answered on the show each and every week. He gets access to a private Discord channel that is just for patrons, and he gets access to special Patreon-only episodes of the show uh, that come out uh, once a month or so. If you want to join him, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. There are, of course, links in the show notes, but no obligation. Just thanks for listening. And if you're really enjoying the show, uh, leave a review on iTunes. That really does help. So on the show this week to discuss the loss is Carl Anker. Carl is the athletic writer for Southampton. So uh, he's covering the team for the athletic this year. If you're not uh, subscribed or you haven't used your free trial portion, uh, you should check it out. You get access to all the back catalogs. So you can kind of look through and see the type of work that Carl is doing. If you enjoy it, uh, there's a small fee to continue, uh, but you can enjoy a free month. And I believe uh, there's a discount code 
uh, at the link that is in the show notes. Um, but you can get his takes for free on Twitter at Anchorman616. Um, and we discuss plenty of the match and, and what's going on around the team here on the show, which you can get. Uh, obviously for free. So uh, you can also follow him on Instagram at carl.anchor. Uh, I highly recommend it. It is enjoyable. Um, and the special treat this week, I think, uh, not that Carl's not special. I really enjoy talking to Carl, um, but I don't often get to see Saints fans uh, in person. Um, I live in California, which means I oftentimes just get to watch matches by myself. And I talk to a lot of people on here. Uh, I'm fairly comfortable discussing uh, things via Skype and everything else. But Mike Smale, who runs Match Day Vlogs, happened to be in LA this weekend for work. Uh, and so I took the trip down and we got to spend a couple of hours together just discussing all kinds of things from uh, creating shows like this and, and doing the vlogs and everything else to what's going on with Saints. We even talk about the Wolves match as well. So uh, we have that interview or that discussion here for you. I will say it was live. So um, there is street noise. We were sitting outside at a, I won't say a cafe cause it's, it's a chain restaurant here in the States. So uh, it's, it's, it was okay. The sandwich was good, but the company and the conversation were even better. So uh, you can, catch more of him uh, by heading over to match vlogs on Twitter or match day vlogs on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel. All of those links are in the show notes below. Uh, Mike does a great job of, of giving you and bringing you the matches uh, each and every uh, week that we are at St. Mary's. So um, head on over there and make sure you give him a follow and, and do that. So special thanks to Mike for uh, taking time out of his work day to uh, chat with me, to hang out. And uh, I had a great time. Uh, be sure to check out the video on his channel, as I said before. But um, anyway, we'll roll both interviews. We'll just roll them one into another. So enjoy it. Uh, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. So welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Carl Anchor, you can find him on Twitter at Anchorman616 and on Instagram at Carl.Anchor. Um, he is our writer for The Athletic. And uh, Carl, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. Hello, everyone. Um, you are uh, running from uh, podcast to podcast and uh, in, in some non-Southampton related news, but some work related news, uh, you'll be uh, uh, joining or starting a Manchester United podcast very, very shortly. So congratulations on uh, being given that. Thank you very much. It, it's, it's, a, it's a huge honor. Uh, I will be working on some non-Manchester United podcasts in the summer. I can't reveal yet, hopefully, um, to, to keep everyone tidied off because obviously you know, what we're going to talk about over the summer other than the Euros. Will you be watching the Euros, my friend? I will. Uh, my, my goal is always to teach summer school during the Euros because I can have all three games on during the day and nobody will say anything. Um, so that's, that's my plan. Good. good. Uh, I'm not good sure if that's good for the youth of America, but, um, you know, I think they can, they can get some education, some formation education and, and how not to do things when you watch some of those teams defend. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, uh, but and let's 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 talk very very briefly. Uh, I just wanted to congratulate you on that, and um, you've kind of been uh, you've been busy. You've been running around from from place to place and uh, city to city, and you're currently in London. Um, but we we had the Wolves match uh, over the weekend, and uh, that's obviously what we're mostly here to talk about. But we we looked so good uh, for for so long, for so many weeks, we looked like we were doing all the right things. And then for half of that match, we looked fine. And then uh, it didn't quite work. But before we get to any of that, like, was there any surprise for you for the formation based on what Hassan Udo said uh, during the week that, that that we came out and looked essentially the same as we had in, in recent weeks? And um, were you surprised by that at all? No, I think what's going to go on, this is this is Southampton now. This is Southampton, the rough household way he wants them to play. They're going to play in this 4-2-2-2. They're, I think this is pretty much their best 11. 
um, with Stuart Armstrong playing on the right-hand side and Shane Long partnering Danny Ng. Shane Long being ahead of Danny Ng, so Ng can sort of play in the space behind after Shane Long gets loads of flick-ons. There's a little hint about the next arc I'm writing. Um, <laughs> uh, I, th- I think this, this is Southampton at their maximum. I think what you got in that first half was Southampton at their best and that their not-so-great best. So they were, you know, they were they were solid without being spectacular. They absolutely maximised their pieces. So Jan Benarek getting a goal from a free kick was really really fun because that was something Rap Hassel said he's been trying to work on um, since December or, or before December. I, I remember talking to Ralph about set pieces, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, like, this is good, but like Benarek hasn't got a goal yet. I'm working on this. Don't worry about it." And it finally came to pass. Um, and I think yeah, Armstrong now playing on the right hand side. I do like Musa Janepo, but I think Armstrong on the right is a little bit better because it gives added defensive protection to Cedric and it also allows them to kind of play a quasi 4-3-3 when they, when they need to swap around things and push Renan up a little bit more. So I think for the first half, I was happy, I was cruising. Obviously at the Athletic, we don't do um, match reports, we do sort of angled pieces or debriefs and, and the piece I was going to write about was all about Shane Long and how he had to do the attack. So, you know, at half time I told my boss, this is great, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> I was texting my friend George uh, and I said um, let's go to the pub and I was you know, planning to go to the pub at 7 o'clock straight after the game after the press conference because all my work had been done and then a Dalma Ferrari happened yeah yeah it didn't wow. didn't, didn't exactly uh, do you any favors there but I guess just be glad you didn't have to file it on the whistle like everybody else because everybody else is frantically uh, doing it and at least you have a, a couple of hours to, to get it straight yeah it, it's really good and it also helps well I don't have to get swept into uh, VAR debates so obviously there were two I wouldn't say contentious decisions but um, there was a VAR check for potential handball on the second on the first ball's goal um, from Neto and there was a obviously VAR there was no penalty given for the second goal until VAR intervened and then there was a small VAR check for the third goal so the 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 initial conversation straight after the game was about VAR and Ralph's opinions on VAR Ralph has been a pro VAR fan the entire time he's been in the Premier League. He believes that VAR is being used better in the Premier League than it is in Germany in his time there. But he, for the first time, he sort of had a little like, mm, I didn't like that, I didn't like that, which I found was interesting. But obviously, I think the thing about VAR conversations is if you, if you let it happen for too long, you can be talking about it for 15 minutes instead of what happened on the pitch. And I think the really interesting thing about Southampton on Saturday was um, James Ward-Prowse and the fact that he got booked on the half hour mark and how that completely changed the game plan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, can we start, can we start with the goals just, just real quick yeah, and, and brief, briefly touch on them and, and we'll, we'll move forward because I have, uh, as, as I was literally cruising as the game was going, I was driving down to, to LA and I was, you know, uh, watching the sunrise basically over the ocean. I was, nothing could be, could be worse. And then, uh, at halftime, I basically, you crest this hill, uh, going into LA and you kind of drop into the valley. Uh, the traffic swarms around you. Uh, my sciatica decided that was the time to go and we fell apart all at the same time. It was not a real fun, um, it, 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 it did not come together the way I would have hoped. Um, and so, it you know the the, the first half goals uh, to find out you know or to hear that they came from from Ian Benrak just just free at the back post there um, I was I was surprised and and set pieces have been a way that we have attacked uh, recently but he was he was just wide open and I think there were a couple it was a couple of weeks ago where he also found himself open at the back post and just couldn't quite turn it in um, but but this time uh, a very 
a smooth finish, a great delivery once again, but the ball just uh, comes to him and he's able to uh, side foot it into the, in at the far post. And I, I, I don't know. I, that's a, a, just a classy finish from him and not something I would necessarily uh, predict from a center back. I don't think. Yeah. It's something. So obviously James Will Prowse likes to aim for near post on his corner kicks and uh, for the majority of his free kicks, but he's getting these really good in-swingers where he saw, he whips it in with such pace and with such spin that they eventually, um, bit, you know, a number of times they are managing to curl nicely at the far post to where a defender is is waiting. And defend, you know, sometimes it's uh, Jack Stevens as evidence against Aston Villa, or it's Ryan Bertrand as evidence in the game against Norwich. And this time it was Jan Bedrack. So there is beginning to get real variance in their play. When Ralph Hassel was at Ingolstadt, 60% of their goals in their debut Bundesliga season came from set pieces. Um, and they had Pascal Gross whipping in for kicks. So it, it's very clear. Um, it's something they really want to maximize on. So Dave Watson, the former goalkeeping coach for Southampton, who's now been promoted to first team assistant. I believe he was the gentleman that Jose Mourinho referred to as an idiot yes. after the victory of the Spurs. So Dave Watson's job is to, is to lead the set pieces. So it's really interesting seeing how, you know, six months in, how this is all nicely coming to the boil. Southampton have been uh, very good from set pieces this season, and it's nice to see the, the, the variance in, in the near post, far post delivery over, over time. And I think so many of us are getting kind of excited now because for, for a long time, we, we didn't seem to score from set pieces and it seemed to be uh, almost a, a waste or, you know, we have somebody go for goal and now we're, we're actually causing teams trouble. And unfortunately I don't think we can defend them either sometimes, but uh, w- we can work on that uh, as we go. But um, you know, from that goal, we go up early um, and then the second goal happens and well, actually let's talk about James Ward Prowse getting booked because I think that does change things. He, he has, this season turned uh, not in a little bit of a mean streak, maybe, but but maybe more streetwise and grown up a little bit. And I think playing in the middle of the park, he is being asked to to do things in the the dark arts of the game are coming out. And uh, in in your opinion, how what what changed after that booking for him? Because what like did we have to change kind of um, just ideas because we were going to have to offer him some protection from that point, or or what was the change from you from your, your perspective? So I do I do the sort of like tweets and updates as I'm watching in the stadium. And I did mention, he got booked in the 20th minute, and I said, this will be key because uh, quite a lot of what Southampton do revolves around the ability of both central midfielders, Hoiberg and Woodhouse, to get away with bringing down player. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Southampton team, they play quite narrow um, when possible, and then they you know, explode in, in the wings. So very often you're getting Redmond and or Bertrand overlapping or underlapping, but they always both want to cut inside and eventually get the crosses in. Um, and you know, the idea to counteract that is they sort of move like a crab to box people out and get loads of throwing. And if that fails, one in doubt, Hoiberg or Wolfkraus will foul or make a tackle. And the idea is they want to continuously do that, but you know, these tactical fouls, but they also don't want to get pinged for a yellow card. So in, in the build-up for the third call, um, the really interesting thing I, you know, I, I asked how sort of, how do you think the tactics turned? He said, in the, in the number six position, we should have put more pressure. But unfortunately, we didn't do it early enough, and therefore Traore went barrel through. It's quite cute saying we didn't put enough pressure on Traore, a man who can outrun and pretty much you know beat up everyone in uh, <laughs> Premier League football. But you can see the principle. Basically, there was a little bit when Traore was bursting through the middle, where Ward Krauss had a nibble and then realised he couldn't quite give it the proper nastiness. Yeah, he thought it's probably worth another yellow card. Which is one of those things where you're kind of like, mm, should Hassel have made a substitution 
when it got to 2-1, brought on Romeo, or should he have tried to bring on the two Armstrong in the middle and then brought on Moose on the right-hand side? Um, it's, you know, hindsight's 2020. There's no guarantee as to what you could have done there. But there, it, it does reveal sort of, Southampton's planning is quite good, but there is a li- there are two or three little flaws that you can exploit if you just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I guess one of the things I, I wanted to, to bring up, and we'll get to Shane Long's goal in just a second, is Southampton had several chances uh, to, to be more than just two goals up at halftime. And I definitely felt like the, the tone of the game, like Southampton felt they were cruising. Uh, Wolves didn't look good. Um, but the, I think those missed chances really do come back to, to Hannes. And, and you, if you look at the XG of the game, you know, Wolves had much the better chances, but I think that some of that comes from the penalty spot and some of that comes from um, them just, just creating some, some, some bigger chances uh, down the line. Their, goal, their goals, um, they, they really should have scored, and, and they did. And I think that punished us uh, very much. But um, moving forward to, to Shane Longsville, I think the most, uh, you know, talk about unlikely goal scorers, I think we have, uh, I had pointed out, uh, and, and several people, other people had as well, that Denny Ings had scored, you know, over 50% of our goals uh, as, as of a couple of weeks ago. Um, you commented to, to me privately on that, and we were talking about it a little bit. But um, the to get to get two goals from from Shane Long, who doesn't score, and and from Jan Benrak, who who I think had only scored on his Premier League debut, um, that that's good for Southampton that we're starting to spread it around. But uh, some of the other chances that we missed, I think I think this came back to haunt us a little bit. But let's talk about Shane Long's goal real quick. Once again, I thought it was good work from from Armstrong and the entire team to kind of get the ball forward and win the ball back and keep it from going out of bounds. I thought all of that effort and everything is exactly what I want to see. Um, Cedric, for all of the for all the criticism we can we can pinpoint on him for for several things uh, over the past couple of of or over the season, even though he's been decent the past couple of weeks, um, that cross was just uh, yeah. I don't even think he looked. I think he just put it in the area, and it was it was beautiful. He he's really good at attacking when he's in in a confident mood. There is. I've said several things about Cedric that I probably should not have. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a good footballer in there, and, and when he's switched on and he wants to play football, he's very good in the attacking segment. Um, I, I'm still, I still question his contribution on the defensive end, but he he has sort of played himself back into form. He probably is you know, the best right back on Southampton's books right now, and if he wishes to stay, which there is a question mark there. He might renew his contract. You know, contract discussions, contract discussions will be had once Southampton reach 36 points. Um, if he chooses to, I, I think there is an option for him to stay there as well. Ooh, uh, I, I I will be honest. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I thought for for a long time that he was gone for sure, and I think. I think I was okay with that as long as we brought somebody in. But um, maybe this is a good chance to just step away from the match real quick and and, and go back to something Ralph Hasenhüttl said in, in the press conference. And it seemed to me this week that the mood around transfers changed a little bit. And and what you said there about Cedric potentially staying, uh, maybe maybe that plays into it a little bit. But it seemed like up until this point, like we were definitely going to add uh, some players or, or or very likely try to add players in the wide areas, to, in the wide defensive areas, I should say. And it seemed this week that it said, well. You know, if if we find the right player, if we do this, it, it seemed to be um, I, I'm, I'm not as optimistic that we're signing anybody now. I, I, did you get the same from Ralph or has that been building the last couple of weeks? And maybe we've just I've just missed it uh, because I only watch, you know, via Twitter or whatever. No, I, I, got, I got the same sensation. Uh, it's that sort of weird thing that in the space of 10 days, Jake Vokens has gone from being not ready for Premier League football to being ready and or we're going to watch his development in the FA Cup game, which 
you know, I'd, I'd love to remove all cynicism from my heart and say Jake Boken clearly has done something in training recently and Browse has gone, you know what, I don't need another left back. But I think what's more likely is we've, it's the, you know, the 20th of July, the transfer window closes in 11 days and it's not looking likely that the left back target is going to come in. I think, so, you know, throughout the, the in, before the January window, I believe Southampton were going to bring in two players and I also warned everyone not to get your hopes up too much. I still think there's a, a space to get into players. Uh, I think what the bigger issue now is this sort of large conversation about potentially out departing players. So there's been discussion about Shea Adams leaving. There's been discussion about Oyo Romeo leaving. There's uh, been some question marks about Yannick Vestergaard and uh, some also recent speculation linking Mai Yoshida to a move to Turkey. As far as I know, Ralph Hassel doesn't want to lose any players. This January, he very much thinks his squad is quite thin, uh, thin, well, I'd say small, and he doesn't want any players to go out yet. However, I do believe there will be a large trimming of the squad in the summer. But this, this, this is what happens in the January pencil window. Everyone gets really, really excited that something's going to come in. But then you remember, it's, it's 31 days to year in a lot of moving parts. And you've got to bear in mind, if you're buying someone from a club, yeah, the club doesn't want to do anything until they get a replacement. So uh, I don't quite think anything big is going to happen in the next 11 days perhaps one player okay and i mean from your feeling alone or a permanent deal or, or do you have any you have any inkling my gut tells me that there is enough space for one permanent deal whether or not that is an experience is the experienced ready-made player to jump right into the first team that ralph has said before january i don't know it might be another player for the youth we shall see all right and he did mention that you know uh, just because we can doesn't mean we will and it's got to be the right player and and you got to you got to kind of trust them although it's difficult to trust them because the transfer record hasn't been uh, fantastic in in recent seasons but uh, I like to give the team the benefit of the doubt when I can uh, sometimes it gets me into trouble and disappoints me but I think that's uh, I, I think you can relate to that given uh, United's performance recently uh, <laughs> sorry um, so I mean going into halftime I don't really I don't know. I, I don't like to get overconfident, but I, 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 thought, I felt like things were going uh, really, really well for us. And I was not necessarily concerned about uh, some of the things that, that were going to happen. But um, I guess walk me through Wolves first goal and, and I guess actually walk me through what changed for Wolves at halftime. Uh, because you mentioned, you know, the, the lack of a plan B really a problem here. Um, Wolves come out at halftime. They change up the formation a little bit. Uh, and I think uh, I think it was Troyori that gave us a, a ton of issues uh, up top. Yeah, it's been a really interesting thing about how Troyori's revival and rebirth and genesis from a, from a somewhat shaky, rapid football player into this sort of game-breaking glitch. So he will turn up to the centre, he's playing a 3-4-3. Troyori started up from the left, not his favourite position. Well, I think the plan was to have Troyori run at Cedric Suarez. That didn't quite work because Stuart Armstrong... Again, he's really, really diligent and sort of helped double up and help protect Cedric quite well. Then in the 20th minute, Ferrer moved over to the right-hand side and then uh, he swapped with uh, Pedro Neto. This is when Wolves really looked to be the more dangerous side. So Pedro Neto's delivery from the wide positions, they got some really good crosses for Jimenez and you were sort of like, um, Southampton a goal up, but there is still a chance for Wolves to get a goal. That didn't quite happen. And then at the start of the second half, Troy went up front alongside Raul Jimenez and Neto dropped in the in the hole to play as a number ten, so Wolves played a, a three four two one, uh, sorry a three four one two, uh, and it was the first time 
for a sustained period of time in my recent memory that Southampton had to play against two strikers. So this is, you know, this back four, it's getting a lot better now. They've got Jack Stevens. I think the back four, as well, you see it with Bertrand, Stevens, Benarek, and Cedric Suarez is, is the best back four they've got. So I think Benarek being injured or being unlikely to, to travel to Crystal Palace is a huge problem because I haven't gone forward. Um, but I think that's the best back four. But I also do not think uh, they've played with, with played against two for 45 minutes. And Leicester tried it a little bit when they brought on Kelechi and Nacho uh, with Jamie Vardy in the latter minutes of uh, two weeks ago. But, and even then, that nearly worked. Um, but it, it's one of those things where when when you have to deal with two strikers, you're not sure whether to come or go or what to do. And one of those you know, forwards is Adama Traore, one of the quickest players in the league, one of the, someone who absolutely loves to dribble and also someone who can just barrel through players. It can, it can be really hard because you want you want to not you, know, you want to double up on Traore. That was the game plan when he was in those wide positions where you just have two players just slam up on him. Well, you can't do that when he's playing up front because you do that and you just lose so much space for Raul Jimenez, who is sort of if there are any Tom Hotspur fans listening to this podcast for some reason, I think you know go off and buy Raul Jimenez. He's as close to Harry Kane as you're going to get. I think one of the things that that Southampton has struggled in, in recent seasons is is the center backs have been, I want to say, weak in in terms of their their physicality, and they're not really been uh, up for a challenge. And if you get in there and bully them, um, they they seem to really struggle with that. And especially because now with with two guys up top, like you said, you can't have one challenge for the ball and one drop off because you you each have a man. And I think you see for that third goal, um, just each center back gets beat. Um, you know essentially twice. I think Bedrack loses out to Triore on that, on that early touch. Jimenez beats uh, Stevens to the ball and then Bedrack dives in on Triore and doesn't get the ball. And, and then we're just a disaster from that point on a uh, Triore is running and, and we're all going to be a, a mess. And um, I'm not sure who to blame for that third goal in terms of uh, you, the mistakes there. You know, we have the VAR uh, check of course as well for, for a, a handball potentially. Uh, but then, you know, nobody picks up Jimenez. They just allow Jimenez to kind of hang out around the penalty spot again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Cause I think that's, we've seen that happen to Southampton, uh, earlier in the season and last season. And that's one of those things that we don't want to see. And maybe I thought that, or maybe we all thought that we were better than that, or just because we haven't seen that happen. And then here it comes and it just looks like kind of the, the same mistakes, the same type of, 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 kind of meltdown that we've seen. And, and once again, at home, it's not a, it's not a great feeling. Yeah, it was a hard dose of reality. It's, it's not a disaster. And I don't think Ralph is treating this game, the defeat as a disaster. And he very much said, we've got a chance to fix this immediately against Crystal Palace on Tuesday, um, which, which they do. And I think Southampton now properly, properly, properly can you know, breathe a bit easier. And we're not really going to have to talk about relegation much longer. I've told my landlord that I would like to, you know, double off my lease and keep living in the, in the flat <laughs> <laughs> further than June and whatnot. And I think quite a few people in and around Southampton that are also having that sort of, okay, so they're going to be a Premier League side next season. What's going to go on? And I think that's going to happen. There were a bit of tongue-in-cheek conversations from some Southampton fans who were saying, oh, you know, three, if you got another win, they'll be on, tied on points with Spurs and you know, the Europa League chase was on. But I think I think this is, this is good. I think what's going to happen next for Southampton is, is they're going to be in and around 10th to 14th uh, come the end of the season. And I think they're going to use that summer, hopefully, to really turn this squad into something Ralph Hassel wants. Yeah. And then they can do what they want to do next season, whether or not that is make a charge for Europe or, or just 
continue to, to bring in the youth and do what not. I think a lot of it is going to be contingent on Ralph, uh, contingent on the incoming director of football, Matt Crocker, and contingent on whoever comes in as another director of football as well. Yeah, well, and I, and I think if you look at the, the table, the table is fairly compressed in the middle. There's not there's not a lot separating uh, relegation from from, you know, fifth or sixth in the table right now. Um, and, and so the, the fact that, yes, one win could have taken us uh, level with Wolves uh, going into the weekend, but, um, you know, a couple of results the other way and, and, and things look a, a lot worse for wear. So I think overall, if you would have said, you know, finish around 12th for the season, that's I think that was my prediction going into the season. I think a lot of people would have been happy with that based on how things had gone in the past. Um, we've gone through a, a tremendous run of form recently, um, and I would like that to continue, but I think always there's going to, there has to be a little bit of a, a reality check at some point and, and maybe we got it there, but wolves are not a, wolves are a tough side. And, and so to, to, to see them kind of make those changes and, and come back and play that way and, and, and get the, the comeback goal or the comeback win, um, you know, I, I have to give them a little bit of credit, but I still, I think we could have done, uh, a, a little bit better in, in some instances there. And, um, I, I mean, you don't. We don't have to talk about VAR, or do we have to talk about VAR? It's, it's no, up to we you. Don't, we, don't, we don't have to talk about I think what you said is right. Wolves are Europa League competing side for a reason. That they, they will most likely make a deep run into the Europa League side. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo is, is, I think he's one of the best managers in the Premier League. Uh, as a Manchester United fan, I absolutely dread playing Wolves because Wolves know exactly how to beat Manchester United. And they know how to beat most teams. They're, gonna, they're probably going to give Liverpool a really, really tough time because they can counter-attack, they can play possession football, and they've got so many, so much right when they, well, they're a bit hamstrung by, by quite a few injury problems right now, but they really are a, a, you know, one of the true Premier League middleweights. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if, you, if we had to like say, there were, were there mistakes in, in those goals? Do we allow them to, because uh, I would say that Cedric going forward, uh, like as you said earlier, has been great and can be great when, he, when he's in the mood. Um, defensively, I thought that even for the penalty that he maybe bit a little bit and I'm not sure why we allowed, uh, I think it was, was it Neto who, who, who drew the penalty? I think. No, it's Johnny. Okay. Sorry. Um, I'm not sure why we gave him that much space. I'm not sure why Cedric didn't stick closer to him because once the ball was played to him, I think Stevens had to come across and make a challenge and, and I'm not sure who to blame there, but I, 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 I'm leaning towards blaming Cedric and I'm not sure if that's just me being harsh on him, um, or, or what it is, but, um, do you, did you, I mean, did you get a replay on it? Did you have a, an opinion on it from, from what you saw? I got a replay on it. It was, it was, you know, unfortunate that Cedric was going to tackle someone at the same time that Jack Stevens was going to ta- tackle someone. It was that sort of, oh, no, that you, you sort of were a bit, you know, a bit hot headed in that moment. But then at the same time, if Cedric didn't make that tackle, I don't think uh, the Southampton faithful would have enjoyed that. You know, Southampton are a club that uh, are a fan base that very much talk about hard work, and, and Cedric is a player who has been booed because he didn't go in for tackles. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not surprised that he didn't want to do that one. He didn't shirk that one. It was one of those things. Wolves are really good side, and they did, and Southampton really couldn't get to grips with the fact that NATO and and Traore were just swapping positions and alternating doing, doing things and whatnot. So that's in the season will not live and die against results for Wolves. I think the interesting thing Rafael Sultz said in his press conference today on Monday was he said, we should be beating Wolves if you want to be a top 10 side. Mm-hmm. I think no one, I, I'd be very surprised if any Southampton fan deeply, truly believes Southampton were going to be finishing in the top 10 at the start of the season. I think everyone was sort of thinking, 
anywhere between 9th and 14th was par. And, and lo and behold, Southampton are in between 9th and 14th. So yeah. uh, hopefully, we you know, uh, a one point or, or three points against Crystal Palace and so we'll go again. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think fair enough, and and of course there were going to be some VAR decisions that go against us uh, at some point in the season, and and maybe we just have to accept it. Although I will say, as somebody who's benefited from it, and I probably speak for more than just myself, and say that it's it's much harder when you're on this side of it um, to yeah. to have it go against you, and 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 the, and the clear and obvious is coming out, and and everything else, and so we'll uh, we'll let everybody else. Uh, discuss that because it's I'm having a good day uh, so far. I don't need to to to, to go down that road, but um, I, I do have some questions on on some players uh, for us. And uh, you hinted earlier about about Shane Long, and and my question um, is is Shane Long good enough to be starting in in the best eleven that Southampton have? Ooh, ooh, that, I didn't expect you to ask me that question. Ugh. Well, you uh, don't have to answer because I can always. Cut no, 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 no. <laughs> really, uh, Shane Shane Long is a very, very, very very important part of this Southampton side and he's integral to, to how this Southampton side attacks he, so I've just I've just written this piece on him now I've submitted it so it, hopefully fingers crossed will be live on, on Tuesday for, for FX subscribers um, but basically, basically he is he plays on the sh- shoulder of the last man but he also drops deep especially around that like, centre circle area and he wins loads of flick-ons and he heads the ball quite often and he basically brings in Redmond, Ings and other attackers to play ahead of him. So he sort of, he sort of has this sort of in a nice in a nice way, he's sort of like a bootleg Olivier Giroud where his hold-up play, his work in the near post areas and what he does off crosses is really, really, really important for the faster players around him to work. Um, Danny Ings' goal record when Shane Long is on the pitch is far better than when Shane Long is off the pitch. But he is a free agent in the summer and you do get this sort of feeling of he's, he's not a prolific goal scorer. And when, when you, if you're a football team and you've got an 11 and one of your strikers is a non-goal scoring striker, you do, you do eventually get into these positions where you're going, right, we might need to get in someone that can do everything Shane Long can do, but can also score goals. That person currently doesn't really exist on Southampton's books. I think maybe it was hopes that uh, Shay Adams could be part way of that way, but uh, Shay Adams... Probably not as good in the air as Shane Long. Uh, I mean, Shane Long's five foot eleven. Uh, Shea Adams is five foot ten. So there's no real huge target man at Southampton, but Shane Long does a pretty good attempt at it. So that's an interesting problem, and, and it's one of those things of you, you can improve upon Shane Long, and and a, a smart football club will probably be looking to improve upon him in the summer as he enters free agency. But if the option is still there and he wants to stay and he doesn't want to take, you know, he doesn't mind not getting big minutes or he doesn't mind uh, not getting a, a large contract, there's no real damage into extending his contract for one more season. No, and, and I, I think you will, you will have people that are a little bit upset about that because they want, they want someone better. You know, they don't think, they, they look at the goal record and I understand that, that uh, he's not prolific and he has missed chances, you know, in the past, but um, it, it's hard to, sometimes to justify to people the 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 player that stats don't stand up for you know um and and i think sometimes that that happens um but moving on to i think uh, to a player that maybe uh, stats definitely do stand up for is is danny ings um uh, a couple of weeks ago he had scored 52% of our premier league goals um he's now dropped just below the 50% mark um due to to other people actually scoring uh, which is nice but 14 of our 29 premier league goals have come from danny ings this season um 
is that okay? Or, or is that, are we too reliant on him to, to, to do that? Or, you know, and what happens if, if, you know, heaven forbid something happens to him, uh, what, what will, what's the plan for Southampton in that case? Uh, I, I wrote about this after the draw with Arsenal, basically why Southampton shooting so bad. There was this idea of Southampton have, have two or three good plans. So, you know, we, we've in, in order way Southampton score goals, Danny Ng scores a goal. Mm-hmm. Number two, James Will Krause has a set piece. Number three, Musa Genepo. <laughs> and Musa Genepo hasn't been doing much in a while now. So you basically only get two main ways of scoring right now. Um, obviously, this is Raha Sultan's thing is you, you, when you press on the front foot and you play this 4 2 2 2 system, everyone can become a playmaker and therefore it doesn't really become a situation where you need to rely on batting to goal scoring, which for the first 45 minutes against Wolves was true. Bannings didn't really have a good game, but it didn't matter because Benderick pops up from the set piece and yeah, Shane Long get one from across. And I think they, they will slowly diversify from their play. And not, that's not to say Bannings will tail off massively in the latter half of the season, but Hassel is a smart manager and he understands that he, one, needs to get the most out of Bannings and two, he needs to figure out a way of scoring without Bannings. I, you know, I think the plan B for now is use the set pieces. Mm-hmm. And then they'll move forward to see other other versions. But again, this is the thing: is when your plan A is get Danny to score goals, that means you have to play Shane Long, and Shane Long isn't prolific. So you get that. Hmm. Hmm. Which I, which I guess goes back to kind of what you said earlier during the summer is to look to improve on a player in the in the Shane Long mold, somebody that can hold the ball up and score. Yes. Which is is not. Might be difficult to do, but but that's what the the scouting department has to to kind of find. If you if we are going to push forward, if we're just going to stay where we're at, then then I, I think keep Shane Long around. Um, I, I I I like watching him play. Uh, I know some people don't, and that's but that's my personal opinion. I I enjoy watching the guy play because he 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 does the things that that Saints fans want. You know, now we yell at Cedric for not putting in tackles. Shane Long puts in tackles. You know, and and does everything that that you would want him to do except for score. Um, so maybe if we just make him a right back, he'll be he'll be all right. Um, Who knows? And maybe just let him defend set pieces as well. I, I do have one other thing is, is uh, yesterday uh, a flurry of Romeu tweets leaving him about him leaving came out. Uh, Dan Sheldon, who writes uh, for the Southern Daily Echo, says, as far as I'm, I'm aware, it's unlikely Oriol Romeu will be joining Celta Vigo this month. But I mean, where did that come from? Is that just one online report and that's just because we're in the transfer window or was that the, was, did you, in your opinion, was there a little bit of traction behind that? Uh, I, I didn't realize anything about it until Sunday and my phone starts buzzing with a very nice Southampton fan going, oh, Carl, what's going on like this? <laughs> the, the, the transfer window is, is especially hard. Uh, my, forgiveness to anyone, uh, forgive me to any Southampton fans listening to this right now. Um, Southampton as a football club are really, really, really secretive during transfers, so they don't really talk about any players they're linked to um, or any players that may be departing. So there have been two incidences now where Ralph Hassel has been asked about things regarding Carl Walker-Peters as a, at Tom Hotspur. And he's going, yeah, I don't like to talk about players. This has been a long-standing thing about Southampton. They don't really like talking about any player until they're on the club website, both coming in and going out. And also similar with incoming coaching staff and or uh, backroom staff as well. They don't like talking about this whatsoever. So as a reporter, a lot of my work is trying to talk to agents and or texting people and using WhatsApp. So first things first, I've got to find someone's phone number. Then I've got to introduce myself to them. Then I've got to make sure they trust me enough and whatnot. Uh, which causes, uh, as someone in my first season covering Southampton, it can be a little bit difficult. It's a fun challenge. So I am chasing this Romeo thing. 
and I'm trying to figure out what's going to go on there. My belief is the same. I don't believe any Southampton player really believing in, in, in this window. I did have one sort of thing I've been told about that I'm going to start researching now in regards to one player. Um, that's not to say one player leaving or one player coming in. I'm researching quite a bit, but it's a lot. It's a bit of a game of poker and it's, it involves a lot of like WhatsApp blue ticks and trying to figure stuff out right now. Um, so the Japanese journalist contingent that comes to Southampton every single week um, with the sort of express desire to talk to my Yoshida. Yoshida has been linked to, to going to, I think, trampoline school in Turkey. Um, and that question was raised. And why, you know, basically, Yoshida didn't feature in the match day squad. And uh, the journalist asked, is that because Maya is going to go to Turkey? And Ralph went, no, it's because I'm trying to rotate the amount of defenders I've got on the pitch, on the substitutes bench. Uh, and Maya has his time. I think now Benarak is injured. I'm, I'm pretty sure Maya will probably come in okay. on Tuesday to play against Crystal Palace. So we shall see. All right. All right. Uh, we have a couple of questions. Um, we don't have to answer all of them because you have, you have other things to do. Some of them I don't. I'm not sure you want to answer on air. Um, Lord Prowse, uh, who's at James Lord Prowse, says, what do I have to do to get a follow from Anchorman? Um, so I'll let, you, I'll let you deal with that. Um, we, we talked a little bit about Plan B, and maybe we already addressed this, but uh, Nico, I'm going to butcher this, but Caltabiano, I think, uh, from Twitter says uh, he enjoyed the article about the lack of a Plan B, but um, he wants to know, do we not have a Plan B because we don't have different players or don't we have a different players because Ralph does not have a plan B under his sleeve? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I, yeah. Do you, do you understand that enough to, to kind of yeah, have I a go at it? The, the plan B is basically what well, Ralph wants this team to press, you know, press this. And uh, if you press on the front foot, then you don't need a plan B. He's, he's right. Like, like any manager that talks about philosophy, you know, hustle, things of pressing, um, You've got Sari who wants to play Sari ball, you know, quick interchanges in the final third. You've got Pep Guardiola with how he wants to play football. Any manager that uses the word philosophy very much is a plan A first and foremost. And if they lose their responses, then it's refine plan A rather than getting a plan B. So even if Ralph changes formation or, or changes personnel, the press is going to be really, really important. But I think this sort of the interesting thing, I'm going to bring up Shane Long again, is Shane Long probably would be quite interesting as a plan B option. So you, you play Danny Ings with another striker for, for argument's sake, say, and let's say Shea Adams, um, and then that goes well or whatnot. And then in the 70th minute, then you bring on Shane Long to do sort of an aerial bombardment. That would be like a plan B. The, the, the problem is Ralph has spent so long going around this back three and then a back five and then this back four that he's, he's taken so long to get to this sort of full two 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 system and got everyone to finally buy into playing the way he wants. And it's only really clicked after the international break. But I don't think he wants to make a plan B right now. I think anything that isn't playing this four two 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 system would be would further complicate things. So what you're more likely to get is just Ralph going, same again, don't worry about we'll we need to win ball wins. We need to be able to do this tackles. And if we get a problem later on, we'll keep doing it. All right. All right. Um, what would be better? Uh, this comes from one of the patrons of the show, Justin Woodward. What would be better for the club going forward uh, to get three points against, Pal- against Palace or to uh, beat Spurs in the cup? What would be better for Southampton's, I guess, long-term ambition for the season or momentum for momentum's sake, maybe? I think a cup run would be nice. Uh, Southampton fans said they were quite like a cup run. They got the round before the quarterfinals in the League Cup before they sort of 
humbling against Manchester City. And then, I don't know, that, the, the League Cup thing, aside from the glorious victory over Portsmouth, will not really add much to their season. Uh, I think Southampton right now are first and foremost about the Premier League. I think they'd much rather beat Palace and then you know, lose to, to, to Spurs. I think whatever's going to happen, it will be a much rotated team against Tottenham Hotspur as well. I think there's probably a chance for a return for Angus Gunn, uh, a run up for Vestergaard, and or another chance for maybe a start from Musa Janeko, which I think would be quite interesting. Or maybe another youth player, Jake Bokens or Will Smallbourne, might get some minutes on Saturday as well. I think the real interesting thing will be uh, the Women's FA Cup game on the Sunday, which will also be at St. Mary's as well, which I am hopefully going to be in attendance for. All right. Yeah, I hope I hope there's a crowd there for that. Uh, just for women's football in general, it would be nice to see uh, people in there and, and show up. And I, I don't know who they're playing. I don't know who they drew in the last round. It's uh, Coventry. Coventry City on Sunday. All right. Uh, I know the uh, Southampton Women's Football Club. The other Southampton Women's Football Club. They uh, they 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 have a big game coming. They have Crystal Palace ladies coming. Uh, uh, so that's going to be uh, another another tough test for them. So. Um, they were hoping for something like uh, it, it's kind of the worst case scenario for them because they they have a tough team that's from a couple of divisions above them that uh, probably won't draw a big crowd. They won't. They won't Crystal Palace fans probably won't make the make the the, the travel, so it's not going to bring in the, the gate receipts. Whereas if they were playing Liverpool or Arsenal or somebody like that, they they would they would definitely get you know some money out of that. And they didn't get somebody that's that's smaller than them. They could they'd likely beat. So it's going to be it's going to be tough for them. But we'll 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 see how that goes when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Christian Candler from from Instagram says uh, to Carl, "What's the most surprising thing you learned covering Southampton this year?" Oh man, I I, I didn't expect that innings to be that good. Uh, I really didn't understand how vitriolic the South Coast derby could be. Um, so like Portsmouth was like, oh, "Man, they really really hate each other." Wow, that's that's like a huge game of football um, that you know you only really get to sample because they play each other maybe once every three or four years. So that was something I found really, really interesting. The idea of the Southampton way being kind of fictitious was not something really interesting. So obviously, to be uninitiated, that perhaps only watch Southampton two or three times on TV a season, you get this idea that Southampton is sort of like a well-to-do, nice middle-class footballing existence, whereas what they are, they've got a fan base that, you know, mostly working-class city, fan base that pride hard work above everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that took some time to learn as well. Uh, another thing I found surprising was just basically like the city of Southampton is really it's really northern, like really northern. It's like a northern city that's accidentally in the in the south, uh, which I find quite cool. But yeah, I, I like Southampton. It's, right. a, it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a fun place to live. All right, um, kind of building on the back of that, Kevin McGee. I have just just like kind of lighthearted stuff now. Um, you have a favorite place to eat and drink in Southampton. Kevin McGee, one of the patrons, is uh, he says that's oh. that's how relaxed I am about the football at the moment. Uh, there's a place called Lacan Mamach that's on uh, Bedford Place in Southampton. So it, it was uh, it's founded by a former winner of MasterChef, and that's my favorite place to eat when I'm in Southampton. I'm, I'm gonna go buy a cookbook because I eat in there all the time. <laughs> I love it. The cookbook is cheaper than uh, ordering off the menu. I can guarantee. Yeah. Uh, although the, sometimes the ingredients aren't. Uh, I've, I've noticed uh, having to buy some stuff sometimes for for one dish. It's like, why did I spend this money? But anyway. Uh, and, and then last but not least, uh, we have a, a question from Saint Foo Fighter from Twitter, uh, based n- nothing on on uh, actual football, but American football. He says, "Who's going to win the Super Bowl in your opinion? Chiefs or 49ers? Uh, he he's going 49ers. Do you have uh, a can you weigh in on this at all? Uh, defense wins championships. So, 
It's going to be San Francisco, isn't it? I, I'm oh, from California. I don't like San Francisco, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not particularly keen on them either. But uh, yeah, I, I want I want the Ravens to get there. So I'm, I'm just sort of I want the Ravens to get there once Ravens got knocked out. It was very much all right. Well, you know, let's get Aaron Rodgers in the ring, and then they fumble. So uh, I think it's going to be San Francisco, unfortunately. I don't know who we're watching yet. It's one of those weird things where I, I tend to watch Super Bowls. I didn't watch last year because I'm not watching Brady Super Bowls anymore because I'm not putting myself through that mental anguish. But um, providing I get Monday off, I will be watching Super Bowls this year as well. Uh, I want to say the last couple of Super Bowls I've spent editing a podcast during it, uh, which is is the least dramatic thing you can do. Uh, I will probably fall asleep several times, but uh, you know, uh, my, my mom's husband, uh, Greg, he, he's a big 49er fan. So we'll, we'll go with them. I think that's fine. But yeah, um, Carl, this has been, it's been great. I always enjoy talking to you. I always, I appreciate your time. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to, uh, to, to mention or, or say before we, uh, we, we get off of this? No, I just, I thank you to all the fans for, interacting with my tweets, uh, reading my articles on the athletic and, and bringing article ideas to me as well. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to be the master of everything in terms of South African football club. I'm not even the master of everything of South African football club this season. So please, if you think there is something interesting or needs highlighting that, uh, isn't currently being spoken about Southampton, please get in touch with me and let me know. I am, uh, I'm hearing what you're saying about ticket allocation and whatnot. So that is also something that I'm bearing in mind and trying to carry on forward. Um, anyone that's going to any home games in St. Mary's, please say hello to the Saints Brass Band because I absolutely adore them. So be nice to them anytime you see them. Uh, other than that, you know, keep reading, stay safe, don't do anything I wouldn't do. That means don't do karaoke. Yeah, and then <laughs> always uh, tuck in your shirt when you play football, right? Absolutely. Uh, how's Lee Catamol FC doing? Uh, you guys getting uh, on all right? It's a brand new season and we've played we've drawn one and lost three which is one of those really annoying things everyone's come back from you know christmas break early um, early season fitness woes yeah yeah no. <laughs> all right man well thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon cool talk soon bye like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Mike Smale, uh, the guy behind and on camera, actually in front of the camera, uh, doing all the stuff uh, for uh, Match Day Vlogs on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and at Match Vlogs on Twitter. You get it? It's all in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, well, welcome to California again. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the sunshine in January. It's not normally something that I can do, really. So, yeah. 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 Even in the shade. It's not, I, I don't have a jacket on. That's right. I didn't quite make it that far. It's okay. So, but it's still very, very summery. Yeah, this is not normal for winter. you. This is, this is why it costs a lot to live here, um, which I think we used to celebrate, and I'm not sure we should celebrate that anymore. Right. Uh, it's probably pretty bad. Um, but anyway, it, it, thank, I hope you're enjoying your time. Um, That's great. Thanks for coming to lunch and hanging out. Um, but yeah, uh, so obviously we're talking today. It, it is a bit noisy. We have the street here, but it's it's L.A. and that's what you get. So uh, we'll just take it all in. It's part of the ambiance. Um, yeah. Hopefully we don't have another fire truck. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've had a few. Yeah. And if it, if it, hopefully if it comes across, it'll at least be on the opposite side of the road. Right. So you get to see some excitement. And, and they'll see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean. Have you enjoyed your time in LA so far? I mean, you've been here a while. But... It's been great. Obviously, I've been. I'm not just here for this interview. Sure. On, on this, although it, you know, absolutely would have flown out just for this interview, of course. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm just about in the time zone now, so I'm kind of waking up later in the morning, 
and of course when I'm finally in the zone then I'll be flying back home and try and switch it back the other way you know get the jet lag but um but no, it's great to be here. Yeah, well, welcome. Like I said, and this is not uh, this is not necessarily my neighborhood, but it's close enough. So I'm, I'm glad to, glad we can get together and do this. Um, but let's talk a little bit. Uh, I think you've been on the show before. I know you have. I know you've been on the show before. But uh, we talk a little bit about about just the channel, and we've been talking for I don't know, a couple hours now, just yep. sitting here hanging out. But um, you know, talk about the channel has grown since the last time you've, you've been on it has i think when we last spoke it had about 50 subscribers on youtube and now we just passed 600 so i'd actually like to thank you for all the traffic that you oh. brought my way and, and onto the channel so uh, thank you for that well, i hope i've helped a little bit at least um <laughs> but uh, it's always good like we have saints fans kind of spread throughout the state and throughout the united states but the often the opportunity to sit down and talk one-to-one right. doesn't happen and so I found out you're going to be here. Uh, it was like we we got to set it up and we got to do it. So I'm glad we could we could do it. And yeah, uh, it's nice to meet somebody else, not just that the Saints fan, but also that somebody that's you know putting out content and, and not putting out content, but just, you know it's, it's got a, ho- a hobby that's similar to mine and, and working on that stuff. So it's nice to sit down and talk about that and yeah, likewise and, and, and do that. So um, I, I guess from where we were the first time to to now in terms of, of you, because you've been making vlogs aside from Saints Vlog stuff for a long time. Sure. Um, but it has just the football side of it. Has the, Have you learned anything new that you've maybe taken to your other uh, your other channels? Or is uh, yeah, has shooting the games and stuff like that like kind of uh, gotten easier for you since, since you started doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in terms of have I taken anything from the football vlogs into my other vlogs, I would say yes, um, because there's lots of things that happen that are unexpected in football. Uh, that you tend to be able to plan ahead for and other things, but uh, so yeah, and and also, I've I've changed a lot the way I I do these these episodes now because it's another, another noise from the other there side. There it is. Um, yeah, I changed the way I do them because I I know that it's very apparent that when you're there to support the team, you don't want anything to get in the way of you supporting the team. You get involved in the atmosphere of the game, and so certainly with our new setup at the stadium where. Where in our seats, I can set up a camera and just leave it running. It's a massive impact on. Um, well, doesn't have any impact on how I'm then supporting the team. Yeah, so, you just get to watch. Exactly. I can spend a bit of time pre-game, getting a bit of the build-up. You know, getting the cinematic B-roll for doing stuff like that, and then just really on to po- focus on enjoying and supporting the team during the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big difference because I think sometimes even some of the criticism that comes to to vlogs is that you're you know just live in the moment just right. either and I, I know I've we talked about that and with you know at home with my wife it's like this obsession with taking pictures of everything and video recording everything right. or doing it where it's like you know you just just be there and do it so if you can get kind of the best of both if you can set the camera up and forget about it uh-huh. then you you do have a lot to go through and sometimes you have you know an hour and a half of of nothing um exactly. but at the same time, you still have, you, you know, you still enjoyed the moment for, for what it was. And, and yeah. if you are able to make something out of it in the end, then, then I guess you have yeah. that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's about catching that moment that is, is the most important side of it, really. You know, because, you know, for, for fans that don't get to go to the games or that may live overseas or 5,000 miles away here in, in California, yeah. it's, it's kind of nice to see that emotion, whether it be good, whether it be bad but just actually see it for what it is yeah 
I think for me watching them, it's you can kind of see the the wave almost of it go around the stadium, and that's mm-hmm. always. Uh, or you can see you watch you kind of you know the your head drop or whatever if we make a mistake and concede a goal and you can see the away fans off in the corner kind right. of going nuts or you know the the opposite of, and then and it's always great just to see the fans near the away fans that just don't even celebrate just turn to the away fans just to give it to them and they're like that i enjoy that kind of stuff yeah. because it's just that's the stuff that as a fan here you don't you right. don't get to have a part of that you know no, occasionally i have a text message with a chelsea friend or something like that that you know that even that is not it's not the same. No, it's, it's not. not. And of course, some great moments in terms of the the fan to fan banter that happens, in, especially in the itch in North Corner, and of course on the other side of the Northern. It's uh, a lot goes on on that corner of the ground, so yeah. it's it's nice to capture that. And you know, likewise when it goes badly and they give out free scarves, and then the majority then end up on pitch side because they're all throwing them towards the pitch uh, after their displeasure of seeing them lose to whoever it was at the time. So. Yeah, well, that was a terrible terrible performance all the way around yes. at a very, a very bad time but we've come we've come some way from that yeah um recently i think the the run since week 13 since the last international break really has been uh it's been amazing and not something that i would have thought was going to happen given how things were going early on in the season it kind of looked like i think there were a lot of us who thought we were kind of nailed on for relegation at that point mm-hmm. um we were all searching for answers and i think i was finally starting to come around to the to the point of like it's the players are right. not good enough and and we've had this many managers who you know maybe some of them weren't good enough either but you know if Ralph can't do it with them then they they all need to go and I guess I was I was wrong for a lot of it you know mm-hmm. or maybe maybe we still do need players and and you know, maybe the January tra- transfer window is not the place to get them but we we can definitely improve but it's it's been such a, a good run of form and I think improvement all over the pitch mm-hmm. um, and I don't know uh, I, I mean for you when we were going through that kind of early run of games where we were looking pretty terrible like what was it like to to shoot through all of that stuff and was it did it get old i guess you know that that kind of feeling of going to the going to st mary's and not really expecting much right it it was hard because whenever you're in a in a rut you just can't see where the next points are going to come from and um the performances that we had against clubs that weren't anything special i think probably hurt us the most it certainly hurt me as a fan the most is to see uh, opposition size come to St Mary's being nothing special and going home with three points yeah. because they were just there for the taking I'm, I'm talking about the Bournemouth game where we were awful we were just so there was no connection from there from the from our side the, the connection play just wasn't there it was an absolute mess it was the same against West Ham same against Everton and those were games where we should have at least got a point from yeah. you know even if we played ugly you know, just to take something from the game because there was nothing special out in front of us. Um, so, and even for that Watford game, for the first 70 minutes, it was pretty yeah. awful. Yeah. And then the last 20 minutes to turn it around to, to get 2-1, I mean, maybe that was a, a transformation point in the uh, in the season. But, yeah, I mean, that's why I had that full-time reaction that I did because it was yeah. just so, you know, up to that point, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd accumulated three points at St Mary's since our last win yeah and it was just like I mean, that's how desperate it was yeah it was appalling yeah yeah and it's got to be it's, it's got to wear on you know I mean you're driving in from from a fairly lengthy distance away every match day and to to show up and and just see us lose match after match and, and know what it means to a team that's gonna as you just fall further and further down the table mm. uh, apparently it's closing time uh, it's 
it is it is not just in time. <laughs> um, I'm leaving that in. I don't care. Um, but it just you know to to see, I just kept looking at the table, going like uh, like. We're down another place. We're down another place. We're now, now all of a sudden, we're more than just a win away from getting out of the relegation zone, and that right. that starts to get really worrying, you know. And and I think, I, I Twitter will will make you think things are worse than they are when mm-hmm. they are, and, and that's that's fine. But I started to get really worried there for a while, and you know, just I started like trying to find out if ESPN was going to carry the championship the next year, and, right. and it's like it's it's too early to worry about it because now all of a sudden, like. I mean, we're talking after the Wolves match today, uh, right now. But I mean, had we had we won, we would have been level on points with Wolves, and like that's and Spurs. Yeah, and, and and all of a sudden it's like it's it can change that fast, and it can go back the other way just as fast, I'm sure. Yeah. But but the the turnaround has been, I mean, nothing short of, of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you're down there in in those lower positions, back to back wins mean so much. And you know they can really carry up the table, and for us to get—I mean, was it four wins out of five games? I mean, that was nothing short of incredible yeah. to see that kind of transformation. You know, there are other clubs in the league that have also have a similar kind of success run with um, you know Nigel Pearson at Watford. I mean, there's another side that have really turned it around in recent weeks and look very, very dangerous. So. But yeah, to, to think that these are the same players that we watched against Everton, that we watched against West Ham, that we watched against Bournemouth, you know, it's, it's something changed, something switched. It was a formation change, then suddenly the players understood what they were doing. But yeah, you know. well, you know, coming out of the, the of course, the nine nil is always going to be there, and that it serves as a jumping off point for a lot of people, and maybe just a, a moment of, of clarity for the entire team to just go like, we're not good enough. Mm. And we have to be better moving forward. And it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, the, the next two games after that were pretty poor as well. Mm. Um, but, I mean, since the, the coming out of the last international break and the, it coincided with the move to, you know, this formation, this pretty consistent formation, the team's been great. And we've had, you know, times where, you know, Crystal, uh, was it Crystal Palace who kind of gifted us a, a goal, you know, the, yeah. the, the bad back pass. And um, we've had, you know, brilliant strikes and set these goals and people have, have chipped in and Ings has been incredible. And just all of that together kind of makes you go like, maybe we have enough to like get this done. Right. And I don't know, I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm maybe assuming or, or, or you know, uh, reaching too far. But at the same time, like, if we're not going to reach, then like, what's kind of what's right. the point? Like, we, we should be ambitious and we should be be going for those. And if we if we get if we finish if we wind up finishing twelfth after being, you know, where we were at the beginning, and or and even still looking at the table and saying we you know we were only a couple of yeah. mistakes away from being you know challenging for a European position, which I don't think any of us really felt like is, should we probably shouldn't given yeah. the start we had, but. It's it, well, mid table as well. Yeah, I think lots it, of people were thinking this. Season. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of people were, and just right now, it's like I don't know. It feels like we've been on a, on a really on a pretty crazy roller coaster mm. at, at a time when we're sitting with Disneyland just on the other side of the camera. Right. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, when you think back to like the 29th of November, we had like nine points, and then over the Christmas period, we had such a great run. I mean, it was like ten points over that Christmas period, and then it's strong thereafter. And here we are. What's the date today? Is it seventeenth, eighteenth? It's the eighteenth. It's the eighteenth, and we're here with what twenty-eight points. So, and I, and I think Freddie put up on his one of his blog posts that it was going to be you know three wins from safety, and and we really are at that stage now where okay that should be very achievable with the kind of fixtures we've got coming up, and yeah, and who knows had we won today, 
everyone will be talking about Europe. Yeah. You know? Simple as. So. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that'd be good or bad. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's. Uh, I do. I do. When you think back to to what some of those nights meant for a lot of the fans that had been, you know, season ticket holders and things through through the relegations and through like coming back up and what what it meant for those people to be able to to go away to Europe and to celebrate that mm-hmm. even though we didn't we didn't do as well as we would have wanted that that whole that 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 counts for a lot you know yeah. and it hasn't been nearly as bad the last couple of years it hasn't been as bad as it was but at the same time for the fans that have sat through the the St. Mary's kind of woes and things like that to get back to that um and just to have them be able to grasp that and again I think would be would mean a lot to a lot of people mm. um, and you know and that's something that I might not understand fully because I'm honestly midweek games are hard for me to watch so like it, sure. it's, it's kind of a pain but like at the same time I, I want the team to be there you know yeah. and, and uh, I, partially because I want my students to like be able to watch us on TV in the middle of the week in my room but like at the same like I, I want the, the fans to be able to go and, and, and have those nights in Europe and to for St. Mary's to host those those things, and I think yeah. that I think that would mean a lot. Yeah, I think one of the you know special results that we had when we were in Europe was that Inter Milan game at home, and that was a very special atmosphere at St. Mary's. That something that was uh, quite something really. Yeah. And of course the the you know the away fixture. You know, I didn't get to go to San Siro, but I can imagine for a lot of fans that you know have been lifelong supporters of the club, those are the kind of moments they want to see and be involved with. So. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess for you, this, this season, I mean, what is, I mean, what stood out to you the most has been kind of the biggest difference from, from your perspective that uh, when you talk about the turnaround that has happened, is it, has it been the formation? Has it been just the, the attitude of the players or the atmosphere around St. Mary's? Or what, what's kind of stood out to you in terms of uh, what, since that change has happened? I think um, in terms of the change, I mean, you, you would say, you know, Danny Ings is obviously a massive part of what, what we've achieved this season already but he's been strong throughout the season yeah. um, but I think it's players like uh, I mean Jack Stevens uh, suddenly becoming uh, you know a formidable force in defence okay he's still very young still got his faults but yeah. he's really stood up um, and we found our, our back four so to speak and to get that clean sheet that we did at Chelsea I thought was a huge achievement and yeah. that, was, that almost felt as good as the win itself yeah. is to get that clean sheet and again recently against Spurs as well yeah. so for me the defence has had a big turnaround I still think it's a very shallow squad in regards to the quality that we have you know, had we had any kind of injuries whatsoever I think it would be a very different picture to what we're seeing right now but yeah. uh, Ralph seems to have his his favourite 11 which he didn't have at the beginning of the season you know every time we saw the team sheet it was like what's going to come up now you know yeah. it's always something in there that was new different you know whether it be um, Vestergaard in the back line it was like oh okay you know or Yoshida suddenly gets a starting spot again it was, yeah. it was very much a trial and error yeah. but it now appears to be this is a formula that works so this is what we want to go with yeah, a formula and a formation, and you know, Hoiberg's not showing up at left back anymore, and right. things like that. You know, I think those things. It's when you look at what the manager was trying to do, he was desperately trying to find something that worked. Mm-hmm. And I think the the frustrating part for us is if you would have asked a lot of fans, like, what's the lineup? It's probably it probably doesn't include Jack Stevens, right? Um, you know, but a lot of those a lot of the players that are there would have kind of looked the way it is right now. I think. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it was just it was a little bit frustrating that it took so long to find out. But um, you, you mentioned that how, how often the changes were. I stopped trying to predict the lineup. I stopped right. doing the predicted eleven because it was it's time consuming. It's it, yeah. and then you you do it and then you're off. You're not even close. Like you know you just have. I, I, it was it was it was extremely frustrating. And I just said I'm not doing it until. And now there's almost no point because it's like we just slap the same 11 people out there and, right. and put in this for me. So, so it, it's taken away an aspect of the newsletter, but it's allowed me to focus elsewhere. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, and it's working, which is, I think is all, is all that really matters to me. Yeah. And, also and, another note on like, the players that have, that have changed and really turned up. I mean, I still think, you know, I love watching the guy the bits, but Pierre-Emil Hobia hasn't really shown any great performances this season where last season he was really a... Uh, an anchor for the squad, you know, someone that would really grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and get going with it. But, you know, he's a player that quite, hasn't really quite come to the forefront just yet. But yeah, yeah, you feel like he can, if he puts in some of the performances he put in last season and you put that into this squad, right. then where the different, maybe it's just the role that he's got to play this year is a yeah, little maybe. bit different. Or maybe, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. But at the same time, James Ward Prowse is playing, you know, miles better than he was last season. Mm-hmm. And, and he seems to have found a position that I didn't think he was strong enough to play. Yeah. Um, but I think they were saying uh, he's played every minute of every competition this season. Yes. Uh, has has yes. not. I mean, I can't play a whole Sunday league game. You know, like never mind, never mind. Do this weekend we got it. And to watch him and to look at the miles he's covering and, and the tackles he's putting in and everything else, like it's yeah. He's doing. He's kind of putting it all together. And and everybody's talking about Danny Ings for England. And you know maybe Ward Prowse is going to sneak his way in there too. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if that's deserved or. Or, or what, but he, he's definitely shown, I think, a lot of us that doubted him at all, that, that he's, he's kind of got something about him that maybe maybe he didn't always have, or maybe he's developed it, or maybe he just didn't show it. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, the, the loss to Wolves is a little bit shocking, especially the way it kind of came about. Um, I don't think anyone, either one of us got to watch the whole match because we were no. kind of busy doing stuff, but, um, you know, it's you, you would have thought uh, being 2-0 up at halftime and looked like we were cruising, um, I think had we put away one or two more chances, that game is out of reach and we're done. But Wolves are no joke, and they, you know, they, they gave us some problems. It looked like they, uh, Triari is always going to give us uh, a couple of issues just with the with the pace. And he doesn't ever look smooth on the ball. He looks very clumsy and, and labored, but he gets it done. And yeah. and he he definitely put himself about. And Jimenez finishes well, and, and that's that is what Wolves do. And so uh, frustrating to I think to lose to drop those points, but at the same time like. You know, uh, uh, and maybe maybe another wake up call that you just can't take your foot off the gas, and you have to keep you have to keep playing. You have to play ninety minutes against these teams, and, and we just didn't quite do that. I don't think this yeah. time. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, Wolves are a good side, and when, and when they play well together, they're you know they're a very organized operation. But um, firstly, I'd like to say you know it was the first time I've covered or watched a Southampton game from five thousand miles away, and, okay. and to certainly get up at that kind of hour. Well, I was I was up anyway because yeah. of the jet lag, yeah, yeah. but. Um, it's very strange to watch a, a three o'clock kickoff at seven a.m. in the morning, and then, uh, and I, I saw up to the seventieth minute. I managed to get a stream, and of course, I saw us concede the, the two goals. Um, I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, the the first goal was pretty unavoidable. Um, the the penalty that was overruled by VAR, I still think that was a question mark, really, because to me, it wasn't enough for it to overturn the referee's decision. Right. Because for me, the ball had gone and the two players were kind of came across and blocked in a way. I mean, you look at that two ways, but the referee hasn't given it and he didn't go to the 
the pitch side screen to review it himself. So yeah. I think that was perhaps, I mean, it was his first Premier League game in charge. Maybe there's a little bit of a, uh, a nerves thing going on there, but I don't think that was really uh, something that should be overturned. And then the third goal, I understand from a few people saying that there was a, a handball in the run-up to it. So, you know, these are the kind of turns of luck that unfortunately do happen in football and, and have we put away some of those other chances in the first half I mean uh, Shane Long hit the post with a header you had um, Nathan Redmond hit the crossbar you know these are all tight margins really yeah. and it could have been so different you know. yeah yeah and if you take a few of those chances and then even if the VAR decision goes against us like it did and, and everything else then you know, we still, you can only control what you can control, right? You, you take your chances and you don't worry about the rest. But, uh, and we've had, we've been so lucky with VAR for the most part this season. You know, yeah. VAR's, VAR's one of our own. Yeah. Um, and yeah, buy him in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, you wonder about, about the, the referee and his, it being his first time. Like, if, if there's a little bit of, well, if I, right. if I argue with him here, am I going back to the championship next week? You know, right. or do I have to be the fourth official again or whatever it is? Like, you know, and, and, I think I think I agree that if he gives the penalty straight away, mm-hmm. I think maybe we complain a little bit. But you say that's football and that's how it goes. Right. But it's the fact that it was overturned yeah. for that, and it, it wasn't didn't look clear and obvious. Uh, watching it kind of out of the corner of my eye as I was driving, which I won't really I just admit it on the record, but I probably shouldn't have. But like, you know, it, it kind of looked like a, it looked like a penalty. But right. you, you, the the referee had a clear view of it, and he said no, and so you want it to just be. To go, and I think I think you look at the amount of stoppage time we had in the second half, it was six minutes or something like that. Like, mm. that's all down to VAR decisions that took forever to be, yeah. you know. And it was fine for me, but it's the people in the stadium that while you're waiting for that, like, like I, confusion yeah. and not knowing that. I mean, with, with VAR, I mean, we we've been lucky with VAR, but in the same respect, we've had a lot of things that have been quite cruel on us on VAR. I mean, today would be one, but also that that red card against Bertrand in that Leicester game. I yeah. mean, that changed changed it massively because we just conceded a goal and then we'd had our, our left back sent off yeah. so it was like right you know what now so um, it's a very very tough uh, there's a lot of talk about VAR going yeah. on in the UK as I'm sure you can you pick up over here and what, what really frustrates me is the fact that a lot of the pundits are talking about things that aren't subjective that you know the fact that he's only off by a millimeter well we had a goal line decision in the Watford Spurs game earlier today that was okay well it was literally a millimeter before going over the line well you can't have it both ways you can't have a goal line technology which is down to a millimeter and then a offside decision down to a millimeter you know you've got to have it for both otherwise it doesn't work so you were up at 4.30 a.m.? <laughs> I'm not sleeping well. I, yeah. you know. um, I saw the second half. Yeah, I saw the second half. That's, uh, yeah, 4.30 a.m. is what time that game kicked off. I, I, was, I was getting ready. I was not watching the game. Um, but it's, uh, and I guess uh, to ask you, I mean, what's it been like, or step away from the, from the match, what, what was it like to, to have a game on like that and then like, be on that schedule? Because you... You're so used to kind of your match day routine and things of going right. down to the stadium, or even if it's one of the later games in your, or if you're in another European country because you're you're working, like you're right. it's generally a little bit later, not earlier. And so, what was it like to kind of have that? It's very strange, and uh, and I think today because I'm I'm here on, on work purposes to try and um, you know not get overly distracted by the, the football itself on on something like that. But it, it was very strange because I was watching the game from 7 a.m. 
and then I had a presentation to do and I, I literally had it on my iPad uh, on top of my laptop and notebook as I walked into the boardroom and there was a kind of full with the CEO of the company and other people and literally just shut the iPad as I walked in right right, right when I was at 2-2 two, two. Yeah. so it was kind of like I then had the agony of doing what I needed to do with the back of my mind thinking okay what's going to happen in the last 20 minutes we just brought Gianepo on and Shea Adams are we going to get a winner or are we going to concede a third it was uh, yeah that was, that was pretty tough yeah it's pretty not tough. it's not always the best no um, but you it have is. my sympathies. Yeah. This, is, this is hard well, to do. Luckily, I don't always have to go to work okay. uh, on Saturdays, but it's it's the midweek games that are I can catch you know twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there, and then it's right. then the kids are definitely looking at their phones and laughing at me as I'm uh-huh. trying to be professional. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> I just crack and go put I put it on the corner of my screen and call it good, uh, but it's, it's okay. So you'll be in a bad mood. Yeah, if it's a bad result. Yeah. Well, the Leicester City game was was a Friday. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I was, they were all, they were having a go. Like the kids, the kids are telling me to switch teams. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, it doesn't work like that, kids. You can't do that. Like it's not, it's not allowed. And, I, and by the way, I'm in a little deep at this moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bit, I'm a little invested in the project. Yeah. 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 So it, you know, it's not how it works, but thanks. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine. I mean, when I went over and was in the UK, it was it was equally weird to to not have to wake up and have the game on right away and, mm-hmm. and just have it be dark when it was over. Like that, all all are a strange thing. So it's uh, I'll take this any day. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the rest of my day in sunny Southern California. Absolutely. You know, it was cold this morning. I would say it was like it two was degrees. Chilly. Yeah. So, but it, now it's I'm not wearing a jacket. So. Um, it's, it's nice. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just want to say, first of all, thanks for doing this again. Um, no I've had a, a wonderful conversation. It's always great to, to, to do this and, and spend a little bit of time. I mean, for, for Saints kind of going forward and getting back to the team, like, what do you think, you know, what realistically, like, given we've had a, a, the poorest of runs and maybe the best, I mean, third best team in the league since week 13, right? Mm. Like coming into, to, or maybe even including today, I haven't checked since we've been here, but um, we've been informed. What do you, like, which, I guess, which of those two teams is, is more, is the real Southampton? Mm. Or do we, or are we somewhere in the middle? I think we're perhaps somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of the, the, the quality has clearly been there. It's just been the, the structure and the formation so you've got to give a certain amount of blame and credit to Hassan or in that regard in terms of it's taking him this long to figure out what he he should be doing with those players um, but yeah I mean if, if we end the table around 12 like you said earlier I think a lot of Saints fans would be you know quite content with that um, you know with the runner form that we've had a lot of people were talking about Europe and pushing for those places which would be great as well but there's a lot of good sides around this part of the table but there are also a lot of inconsistent sides like Arsenal and Spurs and and the likes um, so yeah it's, uh, well and I think that's that's the there are a lot of good players and a lot of good teams it's the but there there are reasons that some of those players and teams aren't you know they don't consistently hit the top of the table it's Liverpool has been so good this season not because they've always been great but because they have consistently done just enough in some mm-hmm. in some instances and dominated on others but but even when they play poorly, they have been able to, to right. get wins, right? Get results. And 
and we don't do that enough. And I think the consistency is what will will haunt us because we always wonder why why aren't we more consistent? Like it doesn't seem that hard to just go out and do the same thing. But then I like then I listen to the podcast and I'm like, well, that wasn't very consistent. Like <laughs> it, it goes up and down as well. Um, so it, it's it, it's still though when I think about it, it's hard to understand like why it just doesn't it doesn't doesn't work itself out to be like that more often. So right. it'll be interesting to watch. And and I wonder though also, and this is kind of this is coming out of nowhere, but um, you know if if we were to finish in a European place, does that make Hasenhutl more or less likely to stay? Like, does that, mm. does that bring more teams kind of calling for him over the summer? And does he look at the squad and say, it's not enough. The owner is on this kind of right. self-improvement model where we have to, you know, self-sustaining model, I should say. So um, we've got a Koeman situation all over again. Yeah. Right. Uh, or does he go like, no, I can do it with this squad and we, we only need a couple of pieces. Or, and it, you just kind of wonder, like, all the, uh, we, we will always have things to, to worry about and complain about, whether it's relegation and he stays or, mm. or you know, Europa League and he stays. Like, what, what's going to happen? And so I think that's, it, it's always going to be there. And there's always something for us to, to worry about or complain <laughs> about or whatever. But um, right now, I would say that, I think I said it in the newsletter this week, I've, I've just really enjoyed it recently. It's been hard to to not enjoy the, the run we've been on and the way we've been playing and, and I, I I think you you'll agree that it's just been nice to see the team be successful, you know? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think also seeing the the result against Leicester where we ended up being first on match of the day on our own merit. You know, not because we beat Leicester or is anything romantic about the return fixture after being defeated 9-0. You know, we dominated that game. I mean, you look at the stats, we absolutely dominated that. So, you know, they were lucky still to be in it. So it's things like that that fill a Saints fan with pride. But then, like what you say, you know, if we do too well, do we have to worry about losing the manager or, you know, losing key players? It's, It's, you know, it's a... It's an alarm bell for any Saints fan to know that it's it's never ever going to get any better, you know, yeah. in terms of that fear of what if. But uh, I would say that for anybody listening, the key player is Cedric, you know. <laughs> you don't, but he's already off on the he's off the summer anyways. It doesn't matter so, unless somebody wants him right now. Yeah, we'll take offers for Cedric. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I would I would I'd probably be willing to play somebody out of position at right back for the rest of the season if it meant that we got money for Cedric. But that's not yeah. Um But I, I mean. He was back, I think, to the going back to the Wolves game. He was seemed to be back to his old ways a little bit today. He put in a great cross for the goal for Long. Right. Uh, did some good things, but d- defensively we have issues popping up again. And and maybe it was just a, a, a kind of convenient run of, of matches where we didn't get exposed, even or they didn't t- opponents didn't take chances even when they're there. But um, today, when we allowed the other team to have the ball a little further up the pitch mm-hmm. and we weren't winning it. Uh, in their half, we we got into trouble, and I think yeah. that's that that's back to the old Saints. I think that's the real the real thing is if we don't if we don't uh, dictate play and keep it at a certain way, if we start to take the, our foot off the gas, we we can get exposed. And I don't think that's I don't think that's anything to do with with anything. It's just the way it is. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in the in the run of bad games that we had before the turnaround, I think the fullback positions were something that I could see. Like we needed to strengthen there, and actually. Uh, Hassan Hootel did, did publicly say, you know, this is an area where I'd like to strengthen. And really from that moment, you know, Cedric has stepped up, Bertrand's been playing a lot better. Um, but I think, you know, with today's result, perhaps that might be a little bit of a wake-up call to say, actually, we do need a bit more competition in those areas. Um, you know, Jan Valery could be coming back soon, so we'll, we'll see about that. But, 
yeah, I, I still think those areas uh, are ones that we need to look at, especially for the sort of football that Hassan Uul wants sure. to play, that high-pressing football, yeah. where there's a lot of running involved, especially for those positions. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that Hassan Uul said in his press conference um, on, on Thursday was that the, the mood kind of shifted around signing players and we shouldn't just sign players because we can even if there are players that are out there that, that might you know we, we don't just need to do it because we can and and it, it's I don't know they're not saying hi to us I don't think they're not it's not um, party well, I don't know I don't uh, think they're Wolves fans but no they're not <laughs> um, but you know, the it went from, you know, we're definitely looking to improve these areas to, well, if we can or if they're the right player. And it, it, the, the language is starting to go towards, oh, these deals are not coming. And, they're, mm. they're, and, and I do worry a little bit because I think, you know, we definitely were one injury away in the wide defensive areas yeah. from being in, in a real world of hurt and, and having to see guys like Danzo or Yoshida or whoever play play out there. And the last thing I want to do is break up our midfield mm-hmm. uh, partnership and to, to move out there and and, and so there is, there are worries there for, for us. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think the club's going to panic by in January because, you know, Carrillo being the, the biggest thing that doesn't doesn't work. Um, and and there were a couple of articles in the Athletic about you know the, the money you spend in January and how many points it gets you, and it's not very many. So maybe it's not the thing, but it is. You know, the, the team might, the team may have to do something to, to improve, and whether they will or not, I don't, I don't have an answer. But we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, I don't know. When are you when are you back at St Mary's? I'm back at St Mary's. I managed to convince the family to go to the FA Cup game next Saturday. Okay. So um, yeah, but back there for that one. Okay. So, uh, what are you anticipating in terms of a, of a squad? Do you think heavily rotated? I don't, I'm not sure, actually. I mean, I think it depends on what happens on Wednesday night. I think it's Wednesday night we're playing Palace away, I think Tuesday it is. Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, something midweek. Um, but, you know, Spurs kind of look like a, a side on, on, on the ropes, really. I mean, yeah. without Kane at the front there. Uh, I mean, we, we were in control a lot that game that we beat them at St. Mary's 1-0, so... I think some, you know, it's certainly possible to do. You know, they're not particularly good away, so why not? You know, but yeah. whether or not Hassan Hootel feels that he should be rotating the squad because I think the following weekend we're at we're at we're at Anfield, I think. So, yeah. you know, we've got a week to prepare for that. But yeah, well, and I mean, realistically, what are you going to prepare for that? Like, mm-hmm. Liverpool are good, although I think. If we beat Liverpool, that would just be... Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool and Leicester, we're good. Yeah. You know, that, that I think that'll. I think Saints fans will appreciate it. That if we you were know. to take their unbeaten run away from them, I think that would be that would be our Premier League title right there. Yeah, because if they if they go unbeaten and like so that's all it's all the Arsenal fans are upset forever. Right. Uh, and that's the Liverpool fans are already almost intolerable. So yeah. the fact that that'll just continue will be awful. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's pretty much yeah. Yeah, comes it from me. Okay, well, um, Mike, thank you so much again for doing this. It was kind of a, I don't know, it was a lot of fun, and it was it like, was. I, I, I didn't want to like bombard you with questions because I knew you were working, but it was like, I'm gonna show up, and we'll just, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And we got away from the guys handing out tickets to I don't know what, on the corner, <laughs> but we didn't go. 
free, uh, free CDs. I think yeah, it was. free. Okay, you know, I'm making inverted commas just in case the listeners can't see my hands. There, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm just glad we didn't <laughs> didn't get whatever it was. But um, people can follow you once again on uh, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, Match Day Vlogs, and on Twitter at Match Vlogs. That's right. Yeah. And the YouTube channel link in the show notes. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Absolutely, and also a big thank you for you for making the the drive down. I certainly appreciate. it. I mean, yeah. it's it's not five thousand miles in the sky, but it's certainly you know four hours on the road that I certainly appreciate. So yeah. thanks for joining. It was a lot of fun. Oh, appreciate good. it. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to both guests, both Carl Anchor, who you can find on Twitter at Anchorman616. You can get his writing at The Athletic. There's a free trial, all that stuff. Links are in the show notes, as are the details. Special thanks to Carl for taking the time out of his day to uh, chat with me. Hopefully, we'll have him on the show again soon. Also on the show this week was Mike Smale of Match Day Vlogs. You can get in touch with him on Twitter at Match Vlogs or on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Match Day Vlogs. Check it out. Check out his YouTube channel. Always fun to be able to see other Saints fans in person and get to talk to them and, and just uh, share some time because it just simply doesn't happen every day to those of us who live here in the States. Special thanks also goes out to Chris Thomas, who is the newest patron of the show. Uh, him and all the patrons uh, have a special place in my heart, uh, and they get some special stuff too, including access to a Patreon-only Discord channel, priority for having their questions answered on the show, and the $5 a month patrons get an extra episode of the show or so per month. So you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery uh, if you are interested in doing that. And if not, thanks a lot. Just be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to make sure that you get future episodes delivered to you as soon as they are ready. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you can do that. We are at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. The show would not be possible without the partners of the show. That includes Matt Beeling, who does the logo of the show and the Southampton page where you should go for all of your Southampton FC news and needs. Be sure to follow the Southampton page. It'll keep you up to date with everything going on during the transfer window, midweek, uh, press conferences, all of that stuff is there. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. That is going to do it for this week. We'll be back on Friday with the newsletter. Subscribe at SouthamptonDelivery.com if you are interested. And until next time, remember that together, we march on. So we should, we should <laughs> at least let's see if his name is on here. <laughs> Tucker. Tucker was our server today. He made. We gave him a. a we told him just to to choose, right? Yeah, we did. We gave him a, a couple of choices to just surprise us.
and he did. He made good recommendation. Yeah, I'm certainly happy. I mean, uh, he, I understand he's off to Washington. He was telling us uh, after this shift today. It so, will be you know. much colder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they will not have outdoor seating in January. Um, I can promise you. But he's been good. He keep, <laughs> I feel bad because he keeps checking on us, and we're like, nope, we're good. We're just going to keep hanging out. Uh, anyway, whatever. Um, 